Welcome to a brand new episode of the All Hoops Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Min, joined as always by my producer to the stars and co-host, Chris Brito. The trade deadline has now passed, and boy, was it crazy. We'll break down the big deals and discuss what we like, what we didn't like. Before we get to all that, Chris, my friend, how are you? Hey, Stevie. You know, always happy to be here on the All Hoops Podcast. There was... That was like one of the more memorable trade deadlines. And I think in recent history, I think we even a few weeks ago, we were like, it's probably all going to be hype. We didn't think Ben Simmons would get traded. We didn't think James, Hard- James Harden would get traded. Um, and yet there were some surprise deals too, like the Chris Saps, Porzingis one. Um, but let's talk about the main one that the, the topic that we've been talking about for almost every episode since the summer after the, after the, um, after the Sixers got eliminated from uh, from the playoffs last season, Ben Simmons finally got traded, and you know Philly got James Harden. So, Steve, where, who is the winner out of this deal? I think both teams are winners. It's really a weird deal to me because two weeks ago I would have been like, "No way, you trade James Harden in a Ben Simmons trade. It doesn't make sense." And now everything that's leaked about how he doesn't really want to be here. He is going to leave for Philadelphia. You know, it's, it had to get done. This had to get done for both sides. If I'm Brooklyn, I was probably really trying to push for Tyrese Maxey. And, you know, it allows you to have a younger point guard, a guy who can really step up in the games where Kyrie Irving doesn't play. That didn't happen. And, you know, what, what was your alternative here? You were going to let James Harden stay. He was going to mope around for a few months to go to Philadelphia and then you're going to file a giant tampering lawsuit <laughs> tampering you know thing against the Sixers which would have probably gotten you nothing so at the end of the day this was the best course of action for Brooklyn obviously this is the best course of action for Philadelphia Daryl Morey said I'm gonna get a star for Ben Simmons we laughed at him how how can he do that Ben Simmons value is 50 cents on the dollar he should have taken Malcolm Brogdon he should have taken DeJounte Murray no he got a former MVP who should be motivated to get this done. I, I love this deal for both sides. The other, the other aspect to it, right? Like, you know, Seth Curry and Andre Drummond and the Nets have, the Nets now have two first round picks from the Sixers. Um, you know, the Nets really added some quality depth there. I think one of the issues, and we were, we were, we were at the Nets game the other night um, is that they didn't have much talent, like, they have a lot of like nice, interesting young players, but they don't have a lot of talent and veterans that could really uh, help for a deep playoff run, right? Like you, outside of Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and when James Harden was a net, this team was really thin. And I think adding, I think adding those other guys on top of Ben Simmons really helps this team still be dangerous. I think we can't sleep on the Nets yet. Like the Nets still have a, a team good enough to win the the NBA finals. Are they still the favorite? I think so. Um, Would I put money on it? Hell no. But, and on the flip side, the Sixers, I think have now, are now moving inching closer to the, to the driver's seat. I think that just the biggest concern is as always, you know, whether Embiid's going to be healthy for the, for the remainder of this season. Um, I mean, Chris, you, you mentioned Embiid. 
between him, Harden, Irving, Durant, and Simmons. And Bede has by far been the most reliable player of the five this year. And that's kind of crazy considering where he was a year ago, where he was two years ago, three years ago. But as you said, the Sixers are legit championship contenders. And I think Brooklyn, to me, is the favorite if, big ifs, you get Kyrie to play full-time. You get Durant back healthy coming off a major injury. You get Ben Simmons, who hasn't played basketball in nine months, playing his best ball of the year. Those are all huge ifs. If it works out, to me, that's the NBA champions. But to me, there's too many ifs for them all to work. Whereas I'm going to take a team like Milwaukee. I think Philly is probably number two and Brooklyn is probably a distant third. Yeah. And you know what, too? Like, I think we're seeing like different philosophy shifts in how teams are being constructed. Right. I think we, there's always like a battle of like what works last year was the bucks, right? They've been homegrown talent. They've addressed talent around Giannis and look at the Suns, sort of similar deal. They've built around Devin Booker. And now I wonder where the league is going, where, you know, the Nets are sort of manufactured, right? Um, and it, there's just too many variables in play, right, to, to make that all work. And then you see the Sixers, sort of the same similar deal with, with the Bucks as well. Like, it, it, it seems to me like teams should look at you know building talent building teams this way championship teams this way because with the nets there's like really nothing holding the roots down um so i'm curious to see you know the nets experiment hasn't worked yet so i wonder if teams will go back and like be you know true to that slow but steady sort of rebuild into a championship contender yeah, I totally agree with that. And it's going to be really fascinating to see how this plays out for, for both sides because these are, a whole, you know, home run swings. These are, you know, championship or bust teams and not everyone can win the championship this year. So it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. It's going to be probably the best playoffs we've seen in a long time because so many teams can win this thing. Mm-hmm. And it, it feels more wide open than ever before. But let's move on. Dallas Mavericks make the biggest stunning trade of the day. They trade Kripsaps Porzingis in a second round pick for Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans contract. I don't get this. I know Luca and Porzingis didn't gel completely, but Porzingis was having his best year and you trade him for Dinwiddie, who has not looked good coming off the torn ACL and arguably the worst contract in basketball in Davis Bertans, who's averaging, you know, five points a game, shooting 35% from the floor in a pretty large sample size this year. I don't get this. I don't know why they were so desperate to get rid of Porzingis unless it's Luka Doncic just went to Mark Cuban's office and goes, get him out of here right now. I don't get it either. The only person that I can see benefiting from this deal is probably Cuban, who's, who, you know, very successful entrepreneur, getting Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, a fascinating mind himself. He's the only beneficiary out of this whole thing. Um, In any case, I don't get why Dallas did this deal. I think a lot of people may consider the Kings being the ultimate losers of this trade deadline, but I actually think it's the Dallas Mavericks. You don't need to make this deal. You know, as you said, KP is having one of his best seasons. If you were really unhappy, address that in the offseason. 
but now you're facing quite the conundrum, right? You have a guard, you have two guards that are not going to be lead guards. And one of them, you're going to have to pay this off. Well, you're going to have to pay the other one in the off season. Um, so moving forward, Dallas has to make a lot of decisions, but granted, this was a way of getting out of the KP deal. And you know what? Um, the wizards improve their talent. They have a legit number two guy in KP. Um, and then I think the most important detail of this whole thing is that the Knicks won the KP trade. Ugh, they did not win the KP trade. How can you say that? I'm just saying, man. I mean, listen, as you said, as you said yesterday, we're still waiting on what the 20, 23 Mavs, 23 Mavs out. first is going to turn out. Um, until then, it's, yeah. still, it's, still been, it's at least a tie in the Knicks' favor. To me, it's a lose-lose trade. The Knicks had an asset in Porzingis, and they got nothing for him for the most part. And yes, that 2023 first-round pick can become something, but his value was, at the time, a lot more than that. And the reason why they got such a small return was because they attached a bunch of assets, a bunch of bad contracts to it to dump those thinking Kevin Durant was coming. And so at the end of the day, I am in the belief that that 2023 first round pick will be the way to decide who won that deal. But moving on from that, the Mavs thought in this situation, we're going to take Porzingis' big deal. He makes 33 million next year, 33 million the year after that. We're going to turn it into two smaller deals that will be easier to move when that star free agent wants to come and pair himself with Luca. And to me, that's fool's gold. They've been trying to get that star free agent for 15 years now to go since Dirk, you know, they, they thought they had Dwight Howard. They thought they had Deandre Jordan. They thought they were getting Darren Williams. They've been doing this forever. And I just don't think making your team worse to try to attract free agents with cap space has ever worked for really anybody. And if they felt like that superstar was coming here, they could have done this in the off season. Yeah. And the Wizards will now have to make a decision with Beal um, in terms of his future. And I think moving forward, it's it's tough, right? Like, and then you KP as great as he's been this year, there's a lot of questions over his health and whether that will be a detriment for someone who's potentially looking at the Wizards as a potential landing spot. Um you know, yeah. but on one end, though, the Wizards did get rid of Bertans, which I think like you, you not only upgraded in talent, you got this rid is a great of two, trade for Washington Two two Albatross deals. You you talk about Dinwiddie, who both of us like uh, did not fit there. He didn't seem to gel with with the team. Bradley Beal and him had their differences. Dinwiddie admitted as such a couple weeks ago. Right. So you get rid of him. He just didn't look right after the ACL. You get rid of arguably. <laughs> the biggest mistake Tommy Shepard has made in his really strong couple years as the Wizards GM in Davis Bertans. And then you bring in a guy in Porzingis who is probably the best running mate that Beal has had since, since wall, at least in Wall's prime. And that was 2016, 2017. So they've set themselves up to be a better team. And that doesn't, I don't know what that means for Beal's future. I think it, it can only help. But, you know, he's out for the year now and they have to decide 
should we give him the supermax? Should we give him the five-year, $245 million deal? I wouldn't do it, but at the end of the day, you don't want him to walk for nothing. So maybe you give him that deal and say a year from now, if things aren't working out, we'll trade you to a contender. So I think that's the way that's going to play out. But again, good job by the Wizards, you know, pivoting here. They've changed this roster so many times in the last two years. They had the Wall era, then they had the Westbrook era. Then they had this fun team to start the year with Harrell and Kuzma and all of them. That fell apart pretty quick. And now here we are in the Kristaps Porzingis era in D.C. As you said, and you could even argue that the Spencer Dinwiddie thing, granted, it didn't work out, but I thought it was a smart sort of deal. You know, you know, Din, if if Dinwiddie sort of looked closer to what he looked like when he was he, when he was starting for the Nets, then this deal is a home run. Uh, didn't work out, but he swung and a miss and got something better for it, which is you know more points for him. If Dinwiddie winds up looking better in the second half with Dallas, I think that means the end of Jalen Brunson's time in Dallas. I really believe that he's an unrestricted free agent this summer, and he's looking at a deal around four years, 80 million, something similar to what Lonzo Ball got, something similar to what Fred Van Vliet got. I'm nervous to give him that money, and I do believe the Knicks will be one of the big teams involved in that sweepstakes. But at the end of the day, he's a point guard. He's a guy who, in my opinion, is getting better. He's been one of the better ISO scorers in the game, believe it or not, the entire game this year. And that's playing with a guy in Luka Doncic who always needs, you know, does those ISOs. So I like the idea of, you know, as a Nick fan, he might be getting pride loose based on how Dinwiddie goes. And unless Dinwiddie looks terrible, I think Dallas moves on from, from Jalen Brunson. And into our arms, hopefully. Us, us Detroit, there, there should be a pretty big market for, uh, for Brunson. And as of now, Dallas is kind of going, you're not going to join one of these teams without, like, you know, with cap space, like Orlando or San Antonio or Detroit, you're going to come back to us on a fair deal. And he's like, don't, don't hold your breath. If you don't pay me, I'm, I'm out of here. And they've had so much time to get this done and they just haven't so far. Uh, Lastly, to round out this trade, shout out Dorian Finney Smith, who is a really nice role player in Dallas. He he has been around for a while. He just got a four-year, $55 million extension right after the trade deadline Thursday. Uh, that money was not there unless they made this big move, right? And mm-hmm. he was going to be an upcoming free agent, and teams were talking about him as like a, you know, I heard the quote, the best quote I heard about him was, he's what people think Robert Covington is. <laughs> and Robert Covington gets traded for a first-rounder every year. That 3-and-D wing who is probably not a great defender when you actually think about it, but Dorian Finney-Smith is. He's a guy who's a really good wing that a lot of teams would want. And, you know, he talked about this contract, which, you know, this is life-changing money for him and his family. And he said, my, my mom's been working for a long time. I can finally help her retire. And to me, you know, that's, that's just so cool. Yeah. I mean, how, how can you, how can you read that story and not feel, not root for, root for him? in his success. I mean, I think whenever those sorts of stories pop out, it just makes you realize like, you know, he was given this gift and he's like, and being able to like help your family. I mean, that's just like priceless, right? Yeah. Um, let's move on to a team that didn't do anything this off season. I mean, this, this trade deadline, uh, the New York Knicks, the New York Knicks, our New York Knicks did not do a single deal after the reddish trade they were rumored to be involved in a lot of deals a lot of crazy deals um 
in some ways, I'm glad they didn't force it. In other ways, it just shows you that nobody wants to take the contracts that we signed. So I think it 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 means that the team needs to either improve the value of the players that they signed this offseason, A, and then B, they have no choice than to stick with the roster that they have right now. And I think um, just to go off topic for a second, I think there was a lot of anxiety over that with the team the last week or so because of the rumor, like even Julius was like dangled in trades apparently. Um, and I don't think it's a coincidence that like he's been playing better. I mean, last night was his best game this whole season, like against, in Golden State, the, yeah. against, the, against the Golden State Warriors. But he's been playing well throughout the whole um, road trip. West Coast trip. And I think this could mark a significant change in the team. I mean, maybe I'm looking into it, but just the way that they were playing, the style was different and it seemed to be consistent throughout the other, the other, the other games on the West Coast. So hopefully that carries on because they're, they have, I believe the fifth toughest schedule uh, for the rest of the season. And you know what? So be it. Yeah. I mean, they had this miraculous win in Golden State last night after losing some really bad losses on this trip. They, they lost a game they probably should have won in Utah. They definitely lost a game they should have won at, at Crypto.com Arena in L.A. They got blown out by Denver. And this was probably the most surprising of all of them, right? They beat the Golden State Warriors. And, you know, of course, I got the text from you going, I think the Knicks can make a run now. And I was like, whoa, let's pump the brakes. They've had a really bad road trip overall. They did win one game. But as you said, maybe this could unlock some things. Maybe, you know, Julius Randle being in these trade rumors, you know, maybe that's affecting his play. Maybe that was affecting his attitude. Maybe all of a sudden now we're going to get the best out of Julius Randle. And he's, to me, the most important piece because he really made this team go last year. And that's more apparent than ever now, right? And they'll get R.J. Barrett back sooner rather than later. Evan Fournier had a good game. If you can get, quote, unquote, the Knicks' big three to to play, which is, <laughs> which is hilarious, yes. You can get the Knicks' big three to play that way. They're going to make the playoffs, and they can make – I'm not going to say some noise, but they can make the playoffs. And that's kind of where you're at, and that's what you're hoping for, and that's how Leon Rose drew this team up. How many games back are we from the playing spot? Hold on. Checking. I'm guessing not many. It's a very mediocre group. But uh, while you look for that, I'm going to talk oh, about. We're two uh, games. We're two games behind the Hawks. For 10. For 10. I mean, is that what, we, is that what we're rooting for? We're rooting for a 10 seed? Is that where we're at? Because to me, Give, give me, give me, give me the lottery pick right now. They got a 13.9% chance of that top four. That's that impact player that could change this franchise. I'd rather have that than a chance at a play in game to potentially play a second play in game. And I'm just thinking yeah. like, so these 10 teams are these 11 teams really, but these 10 teams, I can't point to you one team that like the Knicks can potentially leapfrog. Unless the Cavaliers go for a free fall. That's not happening. Um, this, I mean, the Celtics are playing a lot better. The Nets wow. have lost 10 in a row. How a about that? They lost 10 in a row. And there's, still three, and, there's still, and there's still three games over 500. Can ironic. you imagine like Knicks Nets playing game? That would be something else. Uh, but yeah, last team here that we'd want to talk about for the trade deadline, the Boston Celtics. I just want to give them credit. 
We've been waiting for them to find an impact player to go alongside Tatum and Brown. I think they found one in Derek White. I really like his game. He's a guy who has had big playoff moments. He had 30 plus points in a couple of big playoff games. I think that was against Denver a few years ago, if I remember that correctly, but clearly Murray was the better option for San Antonio. And so White was marginalized a little bit. And now he's going to be a point guard on a, on a playoff team by himself. And I'm excited to see how that looks. Yeah, you have a player who, you know, was with the Spurs and a guy who like really compliments this team without, I don't know, there was something about Dennis Schroeder that like sort of brought, I don't want to say negativity because I don't, obviously I don't know him, but like it always seemed like there's like a cloud always associated with him. I don't, I can't put a finger on it, but like, you know, you have a guy like Derek White who you know, I think was a tremendous asset. And like, I met, I tweeted about this yesterday. I was like, we were like two months. I think we had a podcast titled like, oh, maybe they should rebuild and like trade Jalen Brown. Yeah. But instead the Celtics have sort of regrouped. Um, I think after that Knicks, <laughs> that Knicks win. <laughs> of course. And, and the team has like improved defensively. I think they're one of the top ranked teams in defense since maybe since that game. Yeah. Um, and good for them. I mean, they've sort of figured it out. And like, I have to give credit to, to the Celtics front office. I mean, for so many years, we've heard of Danny Ainge and the Celtics being involved in so many like potential deals that those deals never happened. And now here we are, like, they look like a team that could is, is clearly on the rise. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think this is kind of what we thought they would be, you know, going into the year. Right. And they've had a lot of ups and downs, but here they are right where they need to be. And we'll have to wait and see on that. Let's get to our final thoughts, Chris, right after this. All right, Chris, final thoughts time here. The buyout market is the next big NBA event other than the all-star game. Remember guys have to be released from their teams by March 1st at 5 PM Eastern time to be eligible for the playoffs with new teams. I don't think it's going to be a robust, buyout market right now obviously you never know usually these things are kind of last minute but as of now you're thinking of guys like Dennis Schroeder in Houston Gary Harris in Orlando Ennis yeah. uh, Ennis Freedom I think is going to be bought out by the Houston Rockets so there are some names there there are guys who can help I just don't really see this being Schroeder that could, that could I said Schroeder but oh, um, sorry, my bad. I, I could see I don't see this being something that could really impact the playoff race yeah, I mean, except Dennis, as we mentioned, um, it's tough. I mean, like, I, I thought there would have been a good chance the Knicks were going to buy out Kemba Walker, but I don't think it's going to happen either. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think the, even like the Lakers, who didn't make any, any deals uh, on the trade deadline, they, um, they're said to be big suitors for the buyout market. Um, but you know what these things with buyouts, like there are sometimes there's like these random veteran players that like get released. So we'll see. You will see. Uh, that's going to do it for us here on the All Hoops podcast. Chris, is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up the show? Yes. Who are you rooting for in the All-Star game? Team Durant or Team LeBron? I think LeBron's got the better squad. I do feel bad for Durant. If you watched that yesterday, yeah. uh, must-see TV where – 
I've never seen LeBron have as much fun as he was having on that set, right? He, he's cracking up. He's got the clipboard in, in his face and he's kind of just putting in front of his face because he's laughing so much about James Harden being the last pick in this draft and Kevin Durant just with the saltiest face on, still clearly upset that James Harden just didn't want to be his teammate anymore. So I mean, that deal happened maybe six hours before that show, yeah. five hours. Yeah. And, you know, they brought it up on the show, like, hey, good job by LeBron, who did this his first year, five years ago, and said, we should televise this. And now it's become must-watch TV because of, you know, all the, the, the tampering implications, the I don't want to play with this guy implications. There's, you know, you look at James Harden and how much beef he had, Durant too, how much beef they have around the league. It's actually, like, oh, he wouldn't pick this guy. He wouldn't pick this guy. It's, it's actually hilarious. And I recommend anybody who didn't see that, go on YouTube. It's still there. You just, you know, NBA all-star TNT and they'll, they'll show the 20 minute clip. So that I was do. Good. So I do. So I obviously I love that format, but I do think that the captains have to like Kevin Durant. Okay. He was injured. He's not going to play. I think it's kind of lame that like, okay, you can pick the team, but you know, you don't, uh, you don't get to play. So I think if you're going to play, you, you have to be the captain, like, you know, that kind of doesn't make sense. I know Kevin well, Durant. He, he, he was picked as the captain and then got hurt. It wasn't the other way around. Right. I'm just saying. They're like, not going to re-pick the captain. Uh, but it is unfortunate. But it didn't really seem to affect the show, at least. Oh, and, yeah. I mean, yeah. the added element of his teammate being traded hours earlier, obviously. Like, that's. That was great. Must-see TV, yeah. That was must-see TV. But that is going to do it for us here on the All Hoots podcast. Chris, thank you so much, as always. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. Of course. Thank you for watching and listening. We'll be back next week to talk about the NBA All-Star Weekend. Who's going to win the three-point contest, the dunk contest, skills comp? It's always a great NBA weekend, and I can't wait to talk to you all about that next week. Bye, everyone.